Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 484 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. We've officially entered the spooky season. Yeah, we have. <laughs> we've been talking about for two months anyway. But it's, uh, it's cooler here in Northeast Ohio. Got a hoodie on. I've got some apple tea and a pumpkin-shaped mug. I'm so ready. I can confirm on the mug, guys. <laughs> I can see it. And it's, it's huge. I think it's from like Pier 1. Or it's like one of those. The like big mugs. mug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you could basically do like two whole things of soup in this if you There's want. There's like a whole pot in there. There's a whole pot of coffee in that mug. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. But it's, it's apple tea. I um, The other night, because we went, we went to Trader Joe's and they have, as we've discussed on our team meeting, they have all the pumpkin things. And one of the things we got was pumpkin tea. And it didn't say anywhere on the box, I confirmed. Did not say anywhere on there about caffeine. And I looked at all the ingredients and it was just like pumpkin, cloves, ginger. I assumed it was good to go. And I had some pumpkin tea at like 10 o'clock at night the other night and just staring at the ceiling. So yeah, yeah. that was a lesson learned. Um, do you want to tell everyone what we're going to do today? Sure. It's our October books episode. So we're going to talk about all of the books that are coming out this month that we are very excited about yes um before we do that because it is spooky time do you what are your thoughts on haunted houses not like books i know we always tell we thought we love haunted house books but like attending haunted houses um i enjoy haunted houses i like being scared i don't like the like um so I grew up, for those who are in Northeast Ohio, I grew up in Hudson and they have this really fantastic haunted house there where like they have very strict rules about, um, you know, like they can't touch you. They can't, you know, like I don't like the haunted houses where you're basically like let loose in a room and, <laughs> yeah. and you like people, you know what I mean? Like you see signs all over for these like really crazy, like seven floors and it's like no rules. I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. That is a no. <laughs> but once that feel like if it's like that controlled, if it's a controlled haunted house, mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with that. Um, okay. It's funny because when I, I worked at the prison, um, you know, Mansfield Reformatory um, is, was the uh, filming for Shawshank Redemption and, and it's, you know, thought to be haunted and it's obviously not a working prison right now. Um they do ghost tours and such and they also will turn it into a haunted house every year um and i had co-workers at um the prison who would go every year but someone mm-hmm. explained it to me that it was one of those like very like intense form. ones yeah. yeah and i was just like no thanks no thank you okay <laughs> yeah. so the reason i ask i and we'll get to the books in a second but i want to talk about this because i fell down such a rabbit hole last night because we're recording this on Wednesday. So Tuesday night, there was a thing that happened here in Cleveland, which was very stressful. 
So I decided to look up an even more stressful thing. Um, I have a morbid like fascination with those creepy haunted houses. I'm like you. I like a structured, like, I enjoy being scared. And if I know, like, this is the path I follow, and there's going to be things right. that jump out at me, good to go. Sure. The ones where they're like, sign this waiver so yes. these people can grab you. Right. <laughs> that sounds terrible. So I saw last night there was, like, an ad or something for what's called, it's, the ad was, like, the scariest haunted house on the planet. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's hyperbole. But I was like, sure, I'll click it. And I'm just going to talk about it. It's called McCamey Manor, if you guys want to look it up. Have you heard of this place? I don't think so. Okay, so there's a couple of them. And it's, uh, it has a 10,000-person waiting list, I nope. believe, because each time they do it, it's one or two people max can go in. And it's like four to 10 hours long, depending what? on the year and like what the theme of it is. You have to do like a, and I'm going to get some of this wrong, but I'm not opening up the website again because it creeped me out. Um, you have to do like a two hour interview with the guy who runs it. This something, McC- Russ McCamey, I think is his name. Um, and it's basically so he can like better understand your fears. And you have to do a physical fitness test and like a psychiatric fitness, like a psychiatric mental health test to get approved. Uh, there is a prize for anyone who makes it through the entire house it is twenty thousand dollars it has never been won because no one has ever made it through um it's very much one of those places where like they can touch you it's basically it's like going through a torture house it sounds yeah horrible sounds like a horror movie yes it's exactly what it is and i was looking at videos and it was the worst thing i've ever done in my entire life but again i have this morbid curiosity i'm like oh my god this place is so upsetting there's like they like bury you alive in a Nope. casket and yeah exactly nope. so creepy it's called mccamey manor i'm gonna let everyone else look it up but like oh, i'm looking it up right now mm-hmm. yeah it is wild i think it's in tennessee and there is mm-hmm. another one maybe in alabama but like if you look up mccamey manor and then look up news stories on it last year there was like a a petition that had like a hundred thousand signatures to shut this place down and the guy contends who runs it he's like it's just theater it's just fun and like i get to know the people that i'm basically torturing and like but like the video they record every single second of every single walkthrough so that he can't get sued uh to prove like no this is what's going on and then of course also he turns those into like viral videos and sure, of course attention. yeah um there is a 40 to 50 page waiver depending on mm-hmm. the year eh, i was I, i'm like again i'm obs- i'm now obsessed with how terrified i am of this place like i was uncomfortable just thinking about it so this is one of the things i do like all october long especially now when i won't be going to any real haunted houses is like i will look up these super creepy haunted houses but much like you I don't, if anyone's listening it's like oh it sounds like super fun to be tortured you're you know i guess whatever teach their own um not gonna shame anybody for liking to be scared that way but yeah mccamey manor uh so i guess free plug for the place that has a ten thousand person waiting list but um yeah the wikipedia article says they now allow safe words which means previously they did not allow safe words <laughs> yeah so it's yeah um and like mm-hmm. the, the the thing that you have to say like the safe words to like end the entire experience is like their shtick is like or not shtick like their theme is like you really don't want to do this and so like that's what you have to say to make everything stop and it's just uh, yeah there are videos about this place so when I don't think it was hyperbole when that one said the scariest haunted house on the planet. No, it, it, it doesn't. Actually, be right. 
So this is all to say it's October books. I, of course, also, I have spooky books. It'd be really weird if we talked like two months about spooky books and then done. I don't know if I have any spooky books. Maybe. Uh, I have some spooky books, I guess. How many books do you have, by the way? Seven. Okay. I think I have nine, but I'm like 90% sure at least one of them is, is a Jill book, but I put it on here just to be safe. So, um, all right, let's get into the books. We'll put all them in the show notes. Sorry. Th- thank you for letting me go on that tangent because I can't stop thinking about this place and it's going to haunt my dreams for a month, but we'll put all the links in the show notes for all these books. Uh, we'll go back and forth. We don't tell each other our list ahead of time. Uh, so I'll start because I think I said, I think I have nine. Uh, first one, I won't spend too much time on it because she's coming on the podcast in a week or two, but uh, I think it's the best book I've read all year so far. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by B.E. Schwab. Uh, this book took her 10 years to write. Um, very much a labor of love. Uh, but it is the story of Addie LaRue, and it's told both during the early 1700s and then in modern time, and it goes back and forth. Um, and in the early 1700s, <clears throat> Addie, it's kind of like a Faustian book where Addie makes a deal with what is essentially the devil to be immortal and to have uh, complete like kind of dominion over her own body and over like she doesn't want to get married to these people she wants to only um, you know she wants to be by herself and of course there's a trick in the deal where not only can she not die um, but she's so much of an independent person that anytime she meets someone and then they like go and they leave the room and come back they completely have forgotten her and she can't keep any um like she can't make any deals for say like a house or a car or clothes because those deals don't last and they for her because people keep forgetting her. So she's basically wandering the world um, for 300 years in the book and you go back and forth between like when she first was learning how to live this life. And then in the modern day, how she's kind of perf- perfected an ability to like lie to people and, and make a living, but it's just, it's beautifully written. It's very, it's a very lonely book that I, even though she took 10 years to write it, feels very on brand like what's going on right now like I feel I've felt very lonely throughout um quarantine even though we can use zoom and things like that like just not having a lot of human contact and this book felt very on brand for that so um yeah The Invisible Life of Addie Lerner by Victoria Schwab um, doesn't need our publicity it's like one of the most popular books in our marketplace right now and will absolutely be a bestseller but it is phenomenal so Victoria will be on in a couple weeks to talk about it more uh, my first one is Shit Actually by Lindy West. I think I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago when I was still reading it. Um, this book is hilarious. If you love Wendy, Lindy West, like I love Lindy West, um, and you love movies and you want Lindy West's reviews of movies, Amazing. <laughs> this is the book for you. So um, I guess, yeah, when she was writing, um, she used to write a column and couple of years ago she wrote um a rewatch of love actually where she's just like this movie is actually terrible and <laughs> <laughs> um it still gets shared i've seen it pop up you know around christmas time it's every still year shared. yeah yeah every year and so this is a collection of um some are reviews that she had previously written some are ones she wrote specifically for the book but she basically watches movies Uh, Most of them, I think, are, like, from the 90s, maybe some from the early aughts, um, where she goes back and she rewatches them for the first time in, like, a decade and sort of um, stream of conscious shares shares her thoughts on the movie. Um, 
And I, the, my favorite thing, which I think I did also mention, is that um, the very first movie she does is The Fugitive. And she compares all of the other books or all of the other movies to The Fugitive because she considers The Fugitive to be like the best movie ever. And it's, it is, it is hilarious. It is, it is hilarious. Um, I love everything about it. So if you need like, I mean, I literally laughed out loud. I'm not someone who laughs out loud. I, I laughed out loud several times. If you, so if you need, you know, if you, if you are in a mood and you're like, I need something funny, this would be the book for you. Do you know if she did the audiobook herself or is it? I would guess. I actually haven't checked. Um, and, you know, she makes it clear that she wrote some of this. You know, obviously she's writing um, it, the end of it, revising it, whatever, during COVID. And so there are there are references uh to that in the book yeah um i think she does i think she does there's no other name attached to the audiobook nice um man if we ever get Lenny to come on the show i i will join but i will just i just want to i will join just so that i can sit and listen to you two talk i won't say a single word that'd be delightful um okay my next one is called ring shout by p to jelly clark uh, this feels very poignant after things that happened last night in Cleveland. Uh, so this is basically a dark fantasy historical novella that reimagines uh, The Birth of a Nation, a very terrible, awful movie from the early 1900s, which basically shows the Ku Klux Klan as saviors of the country. Uh, if that feels familiar, you are picking up what I am putting down. Uh, so... <laughs> In this, D.W. Griffith, who is the creator of Birth of a Nation, the three-hour love letter to racist America, Mm -hmm. uh, is a sorcerer. And Birth of a Nation, the movie, is like a spell that drew upon the darkest thoughts and wishes from the racist heart of America. Uh, And there is our main character's name is Maurice Baudreau, or Baudreau. Uh, she's a magic sword, and she is, uh, when she's not bootleg, running bootleg whiskey, she's fighting monsters called the Ku Kluxes, uh, and she's really, really good at it, and there is a sharpshooter, like a foul mouth sharpshooter, and a Harlem Hellfighter, and it's basically just a dark fantasy where um, Reese is trying to save the world from racism, so again, feels very, very poignant. Uh, Ring Shout by P. DeJelly Clark is so good. Uh, my next one is The Searcher by Tana French. Y'all know I love Tana French. She was on the podcast last year, year before. Um, and so this sort of uh, goes back to um, what made her popular in the first place, which is those, you know, her um, detective procedural books. This is not part of the Dublin Murder Squad series, but it's somewhat similar. So this is about Cal... He um, was a uh, worked on the Chicago police force for 25 years, but then after his divorce, he wants to build a new life, and so he um, buys a fixer-upper in an Irish village, and that sounds great. That sounds like a great way to retire, but then a local kid whose brother has gone um, missing uh, convinces him to um, start investigating, and Cal uncovers just secrets 
There are secrets in this lovely little Irish village. <laughs> um, which is shocking. They're shocking that there's secrets in a little cute little Irish village. Um, yeah, so Tana. I love me some Tana French. Um, and I'm I love her, you know, police detective investigation book. So very excited for this one. Yeah, that looks really, really good. Um, my next one is called Wild Fell by Michael Rowe. Uh, this is basically, a, it's a ghost story, and it is almost like an homage to The Turn of the Screw, which I'm very excited about. Uh, so there is a island called Blackmore Island, which is set on the waters of Devil's Lake, which is like an ominous thing to name a lake. Um, and there is a summer home there, which has, uh, wouldn't you know it, a very creepy past. And there's rumors of teenagers disappearing all over the place and murders that may or may not have happened there. And townspeople basically avoid the place uh, for about 50 years. And then there's a, our main character's name is Jameson. And he wants to get away from his uh, kind of big city life. And he sees an ad in a newspaper for a turn of the century house on a private island. And he goes and lives there. And it just sounds like a creepy haunted house book. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I just feel like there was, there's no end to haunted house books. Where like if you just tell me like a person goes to a place they don't know and it's secluded and they go in a house and stuff happens I'm like I'm good that's all I need to know so yeah sounds really really good it's uh, Wild Fell by Michael Rowe yeah those those stories always end well when they're done <laughs> <laughs> always um you might have this one I'm not sure it's the Once in Future Witches by Alex E Harrow I do but we can both talk about it okay um. I'm just going to read the description because I feel like the description tells you all you need to. So in 1893, there's no such thing as witches. There used to be in the wild, dark days before the burnings began. But now witching is nothing but tidy charms and nursery rhymes. The modern woman wants any measure of power. She must find it at the ballot box. That sounds familiar. Um. But when the Eastwood sisters, James Juniper, Agnes Amaranth, and Beatrice Belladonna, so good, join the suffragists of New Salem, they begin to pursue the forgotten words and ways that might turn the woman's movement into the witch's movement. Stalked by shadows and sickness, hunted by forces who will not suffer a witch to vote, and perhaps not even to live, the sisters will need to delve into the oldest magics, draw new alliances, and heal the bond between them if... They want to survive. There's no such thing as witches, but there will be. It's so good. Um, Cause I got a copy of it back in like February, I think um, in the before times when we were still getting physical. Right. Um, it is amazing. It's actually sitting right. It's, uh, it's one of the stack. It's on the stack of books that I'm using to balance my computer. Um, in addition to just being an awesome book about witches and suffrage, like the way that Alex writes the three sisters having siblings like they're just so it, it tells the story from each of their perspectives like chapter by chapter uh, so it goes between the three of them and just like they each have this such well-defined siblingness to them where like the youngest one is clearly the youngest one and the middle child is clearly the middle child and the oldest one is clearly the oldest child and they like bicker and squabble like siblings do and it's like on top of the story being amazing itself the characters are just so like real to what you would want Oh, this is an amazing book. I'm so excited for this one. Yeah, because we're gonna love this. Um, okay, so you know, what? let's just stick with the witchy theme for a second here. I'm not gonna talk much about this one, but Magic Lessons by Alice Hoffman. Did you have this on your list? No. 
Okay. It's all about it, but did not put it on. Yeah. So Alice Hoffman was also on the podcast. Also, I think last year, I can't remember time anymore. Um, But Magic Lessons, again, it's a prequel to Practical Magic and Rules of Magic. Um, And it is just looking at the the family, the Owens, the the bloodline. I, I think she's with this book, taking it all the way back in 1600s with Maria Owen, um, who kind of started the whole practical magic story as we know it. So um, I haven't read this yet. I don't need, this is one of those books where I was like, oh, Alice Hoffman wrote another practical magic book. I'm going to read that. I'm very yeah. excited about it. So yeah, it's called Magic Lessons. Um, the cover is really, really, really pretty. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I'm gonna say about that one because I don't know anything else and I don't need to, I'm excited. Uh, my next one is called Leave the World Behind by Rumin Alam. This sounds so good, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you have I this did. on your list? Or? I did, yeah. Okay. Um, so this is about Amanda and Clay. They are headed out to um, Long Island for a vacation. It's a remote part of Long Island. They've rented this like really fantastic house, and it's going to be like wonderful. You know, They're away from the city and all this stuff. Um, but then there's a late night knock on the door and it is Ruth and GH. They're an older couple. It's their house that Amanda and Claire are renting and they just have like arrived in a panic. There's been a blackout in New York city. And um, so they've, you know, come to their little Long Island home. There's no TV out in this remote section. There's no internet. Everything's down. And so it's this like question of who can you trust in this mm-hmm. house is, you know, <laughs> yep. what happened in New York? Is this a vacation house? Like, is it safe for everybody? Like what's going on? So I'm, I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, I absolutely, this was one of the ones where I was like, we're probably both going to have this, but I don't care. I want to talk about it. I'm so excited. Um, my next one, let's see what you want to talk about here. Uh, you might have this too, but that's okay because I know we both love him. A Wild Winter Swan by Gregory Maguire. I did not put it on. Okay. All right. So I know we both have a love of Gregory Maguire. You you adore Wicked. I do as well, but I also very much love Hidden Sea and all the other stuff. So uh, for those who are somehow unfamiliar with Gregory Maguire, he reimagines fantasy worlds that we're all familiar with, Oz and you know the Wicked books. Uh, Wonderland, Dickensian in London, and then you know the Nutcracker, his most recent one was uh, Hidden Sea. So now he's taking Hans Christian Andersen's The Wild Swans and transforming it into an Italian American girl's poignant coming of age story set amid, amid the magic of Christmas in the 1960s New York. So a lot of things going on that I'm very excited about here. I do love a nice, cozy, Christmassy book. Admittedly, I will not be reading this in October, I will probably read this closer to November or December. Um, but it's also got, you know, we love a, a New York setting. You know, this one's a little bit later that we normally get excited about. But uh, so following her brother's death and her mother's emotional breakdown, Laura lives in an Upper East Side, in the Upper East Side of Manhattan in a lonely townhouse. She shares with her old world strict, often querulous grandparents, but the arrangement may be temporary. The quiet, awkward teenager has been getting into trouble at home and has been expelled from her high school for throwing a record album at a popular girl who bullied her. When Christmas is over and the new year begins, Laura may find herself in a new boarding school. Uh, Nearly unmoored from reality through her panic and submerged grief, Laura is startled when a handsome swan boy with only one wing lands on her roof. 
Hiding him from her ever-bickering grandparents, Laura tries to build the swan boy a wing so he can fly home. But the task is too difficult to accomplish herself. And little does Laura know that her struggle to find help for her new friend parallels that of her grandparents, who are desperate for a distant relative's financial aid to save them and their family store. He, Gregory Magardis has his ability to, like, use magical... Like, he tells the story of a place that's clearly meant to be magical, but, like, makes it grounded and uses like magical realism in a way that very few other people do. So really excited about this. That's A Wild Winter Swan by Gregory Maguire. My next one is Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. So um, in the holy city of Toba, the winter solstice is usually a time for celebration and renewal, but this year it coincides coincides, with a solar eclipse a rare celestial event proscribed by the sun priest as an unbalancing of the world. Meanwhile, a ship launches from a distant city bound for Toba and set to arrive on the solstice. The captain of the ship is a disgraced teak whose song can calm the waters around her as easily as it can warp a man's mind. Her ship carries one passenger. Described as harmless, the passenger is a young man, blind, scarred, and cloaked in destiny. As the captain well knows, when a man is described as harmless, he usually ends up being a villain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Rebecca has created this like epic adventure, um, exploring power um, amidst the world um, of like history and struggles of just, it just sounds so good. I'm very excited for this one. Is that the one with like the cover is gorgeous? Yes. The cover features, um, it's, it's black. There's like a partial face um, that has like wings coming off from the side. Uh, yeah, it's a gorgeous cover. Yeah, I, I feel like I've seen that for the past couple of weeks and it's like striking. Yes, it is a very striking cover. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I kept waiting for you to say this one, but it doesn't look like you have it. So I'm going to say it. Plain Bad Heroines. By I do. Emily. Okay, I'll let you talk about it because it's, it falls in your... Yeah. You're okay, making sure. All right, I'll let you talk about that one in a second. Um, all right, my next one is Eventide by Sarah Goodman. Do you have this? No. Okay. All right, so this is a YA historical fantasy thriller. Um, and it is set in Wheeler, Arkansas in 1907, uh, when their father descends into madness after the death of their mother, Verity Pruitt, and her little sister, Lila, find themselves on an orphan train to rural Kansas. Uh, I should point out this is kind of a spooky one, but I said the word orphan, so I think that's probably obvious. Uh, In Wheeler, 11-year-old Lila is quickly adopted, but Verity is not. Desperate to stay close to her younger sister, Verity indentures herself as a farmhand, Uh, but even charming farm boy Abel actually can't completely distract her from the sense that something is not quite right in this little town. Strange local superstitions abound, especially about the eerie old well at the center of the forest. The woods play tricks, unleashing heavy fog and bone-chilling cold, and sometimes visions of things that aren't there. But for Verity, perhaps the most unsettling thing of all is the revelation that her own parents have a scandalous history with this very town. (gasps) As she tries to unearth the past, sinister secrets come with it, secrets that someone will go to violent lengths to protect. So I also, in addition to loving a creepy house, I love a, a creepy small town as well. Those are... I just love those places where it's weird that I talked that we talked about the haunted houses and the way that we like structured haunted houses in a way that there's a, to get out. Mm-hmm. But I do enjoy, I have this morbid curiosity with reading about these stories where it's like, 
one of the biggest factors is you are trapped in a place and there's no way to get out and everyone around is kind of horrible. So that's why Eventide by Sarah Goodman seems to be drawn, drawing to me. Uh, yeah, so my next one is Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth. Oh, man, y'all. So um, our story <laughs> our story begins in 1902 at the Brookham School for Girls. Flo and Clara, two impressionable students, are obsessed with each other and with a daring young writer named Mary McLean, the author of a scandalous best-selling memoir. To show their devotion to Mary, the girls establish their own private club and call it the Bad the plain bad heroine society. They meet in secret in a nearby apple orchard, the setting of their wildest happiness and ultimately of their macabre deaths. All right. Well, so far we have, <laughs> we have a school, mm-hmm. we have a click of sorts and we have deaths. So basically that checks all the boxes. Um, this is where their bodies are later discovered with a copy of Mary's book splayed beside them. The victims of a swarm of stinging, angry yellow jackets. That sounds great. Um, <laughs> less than five years later, the school closes its doors forever, but not before three more people mysteriously die on the property. Over a century later, the now abandoned school is back in the news when Wonderkind writer Merritt Emmons publishes a breakout book celebrating the queer feminist history surrounding the haunted and cursed Gilded Age institution. Her best-selling book inspires a controversial horror film. God, that's so good. <laughs> Starring these like one celebrity actor and a B or yeah, and a B actor, and there's like a former child star, and it's just oh. It What's not so to love good. about everything about this? It looks so good. There's so like every sentence of the description as I read it, I was just like, oh, oh my god. Okay, there's more of this. Wow, this is more good, right? I was like good up and just until that first paragraph, and I was like, "Oh, there's a whole thing with a movie being made." Okay, I'm I am in on this. Yeah. Um, on that note, yes. Yeah, so if you've listened to this podcast, you know I love me my murder on an educational in like campus involving a close knit group of suspicious characters. Um, if you go to the web, the Overdrive blogs, I have an entire blog post with similar books and I'm working on a second one because I had to (laughs) I had to force myself to stop at 10 (laughs) but there are a lot more out there so if you love these kind of books I got got lots of lists for you yeah um Geely one of the co-authors of uh Matt Dagg was here tonight like immediately responded about that was like yep me too Jill it was pretty funny yeah yeah um Okay, my next one is The Hollow Places by T. Kingfisher. Uh, this is yet another creepy book for October. I think I heard Mallory on Reading Glasses talk about this or T. Kingfisher's previous book. Um, but I remember, oh yeah, I think she was, maybe she's talking about The Twisted Ones, which was her other one. Uh, so this book is all about a young woman who discovers a portal in her uncle's house and it leads to uh, madness and terror. So Kara finds that uh, these words in the uh, there's a mysterious bunker that is behind her uncle's house and there's these four words that just say pray they are hungry and she gets obsessed with this message <clears throat> and starts exploring this like really creepy bunker as one does uh, only to discover that it holds a portal to countless alternate realities um, and the places that 
these alternate realities are are haunted by creatures that seem to hear thoughts and the more you fear them the stronger they become so um, it's very much like uh pan's labyrinth um it's just a creepy creepy horror novel that um doesn't it's very uh, like unrelenting it keeps you like scared and on the edge of your seat every single page so very very into this one uh that is the hollow places by t king fisher my last one is spoiler spoiler alert by olivia dade oh, y'all this book okay so um olivia dade is a romance writer and this one is like fan fiction romance based partly based on the um jamie and bran pairing from game of thrones i feel like i don't need to tell you more but i will uh, <laughs> um so marcus is the star of this huge show on tv but he also writes fan fiction <laughs> because he gets frustrated by some of the things that happen on his own show. So he writes fan fiction about his character and um, Lavinia from the show, you know, but of course he has to keep it secret. And then there's April who is a hardcore Lavinia fan, um, but she mostly hides her own fan fiction and cosplay from her sort of like real life Um but then she posts a picture of her latest cosplay costume and she goes viral. And then Marcus, the actor asks her out. Um, and she says, yes, because why not? But um, on their date, Marcus discovers that um, April is, more than just like it's not just like this publicity stunt like he actually really likes her but also she writes fan fiction and not only does she write fan fiction she is his um favorite fan fiction friend they're like friends on their like fan fiction website but neither of them know that and so now he has to be like oh do i tell her oh my god everything about this sounds amazing um and i i cannot wait i cannot wait um, my last one is called She Come By It Natural by Sarah Smarsh. Uh, Sarah Smarsh was on the podcast, I think like two or three years ago at this point. Um, she was the National Book Award finalist of the book Heartland, which was her memoir about her family, like the women, the generations of women in her family in middle America and like the poor, like impoverished, like horrible situation that they found themselves stuck in and how they kept reliving the same kind of tragic lives over and over and, and Sarah's finally sort of like kind of broken the mold and uh, but she still resides in, in Kansas I believe is where she's from um, and she's a, a very well respected journalist now uh, but this is all about Dolly Parton so Sarah loves 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 Dolly Parton and she wrote this book not only about the life of Dolly Parton and the music that she has created and her like path to becoming you know all caps Dolly Parton uh, but she also has a unique perspective of being uh, you know growing up in a a you know a poor farm area she also is able to show the like generations of women who have lived the songs that Dolly Parton wrote so it's a really interesting take on on a biography uh, of someone I know Dolly Parton also has her own memoir coming out later this year i believe i think um, so yeah 
but she come by a natural by Sarah Smarsh is she's just Sarah is such an incredible writer and able to reflect a lot of middle America in a like calm and respectful way which again not something that you normally see much anymore so that sounds really really good as well so that was my last one you said that uh, the that was your last mm-hmm. one as well right yeah so. Um, so we got to give you a little bit of everything there. We got some spooky, we got some fantasy, we got some, like I said, some romance, a little bit of everything here. Um, are there other things you think people should know about? I'm trying to think of October things overdrive related. Um, I do have a question that's not at all related, but it is related to Dolly Parton. Have you seen the video of the two? Um, they're, I think they're brothers. They um, listen to songs they like film themselves listening to songs they've never heard before and they have one for Jolene and it is incredible. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Is it the, like the two like young African-American boys? Yes. Okay. Yes. I haven't seen that. I've seen them, those two and I'll let you talk about it in a second. I've, there's another one of these. There's like uh, a like mid twenties African-American guy who like traditionally listens to rap and he does it with heavy metal songs and like his reactions are amazing as well. I will let you talk about this because it is a cool little genre of YouTube. Yeah, so there's like these YouTube videos of, yeah, I don't want to call them kids, but they're probably like early 20s maybe, yeah. I think. these. I, I think they're brothers. And yeah, they find songs or they have recommended songs, um, usually older songs um, that they've never listened to before. And so they film them, they film their reactions. And their Jolene uh, clip when viral a couple weeks ago and i like fell down the rabbit hole (laughs) of their um their things because i feel like they're uh they did in the air tonight by phil collins and when they get to that like one part of in the air tonight you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. everyone you know what part i'm talking about um it's hilarious they've done i think they did hurt and I think they did the Johnny Cash version. I sort of I fell down a rabbit hole of like similar type videos. I might be confusing, but the Jolene one is just, it's incredible. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just, a, there's such like feel good videos. Cause it is like you, like there's an, it was an impression you see, like when you think of a person, like, cause I've also seen like kind of um, like very, very country, like mm-hmm. Caucasian people do it with rap songs where like, it's basically like the whole, you know, like the hook is like, you see a person, you expect them to listen to a certain type of music. They listen to a type of music that is completely different, but then like they're just unbridled joy and hearing yes. like pure talent is delightful. Yeah. yeah. They're just, they're very earnest. They're very, it's very feel good. So mm-hmm. yeah, that is awesome. I'm going to look that up as soon as we get done recording. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That's everything. Yeah. I'll That's all I have. I don't have anything like overnight yeah, related. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right. Well, those are our October books, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.